This is Paul S. Kemp, creator of Angle and Nicks, and I am close, personal, sexy time friends with the Court of Nerds. All right, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this special episode of the Court of Nerds. We have someone on here whose work we've been pretty big fans of for a while, going back to 2000 AD. So you can't tell it in my voice, but I'm a little shaken to be talking to none other than Liam Sharp of DC Comics. Liam, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> You just made my day. I didn't think I had any fans that went far that that far back, you know. So uh, uh, it was going well, and now it's going even better. I'm, uh, thank you. Oh, no problem. It's it's kind of funny when I mm-hmm. when I told the rest of the gang that uh, I was going to be able to talk to you. One of my buddies, who's a huge Judge Dread fan, uh, listed uh-huh. off a couple four letter words, and I think it's only in jealousy, so it's not too bad. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Well, first up, uh, I'm, I want to talk to you about The Brave and the Bold, because as soon as the press release went out for this, we kind of lost our minds. We really enjoyed the run that you had with Greg, uh, just it really diving into the Wonder Woman mythos. And now you're going to be taking her and Batman into Celtic mythos. How, man, yes. how eager were you to tell this story? <laughs> well, it's, uh, well, it goes back a long way. Um I mean, and and really, it's a dream project. So the the way it all came off was uh, unexpected and kind of swift. And uh, it was at the end of my run with Greg. Um, Greg had so much on his plate, and we'd had a brilliant time. But he he knew that if he didn't stop at that point, he was going to be really sort of taking on too much. And these other sort of personal projects and projects that he'd invested a lot of his time in were going to suffer. And he was also afraid Wonder Woman would suffer, so he very reluctantly stood away from it. Um, and I was just like, I don't, I'm not ready to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this character, uh, but at the same time, I wasn't. Um, I didn't feel that I should work uh, w- with another writer because I'd, bec- I'd fallen in love with the with the, the Diana that Greg and I. Uh, created and I think when a, a writer leaves, it's it's a good opportunity for a new team to come on and and uh, you know put their spin on it and their voice and their story and all of that. And I knew that it would be probably almost certainly going to be like a, a very different sort of a direction for the character. It's it's inevitable. Um, so I wanted to tell a story that was still our Diana, even though I was I was uh, writing it. So obviously I'm not Greg. Uh, but, Who is? but, I, but <laughs> although uh, I was mistaken for him <laughs> when this launched at the con, I was like, two people said, Hey, Greg, you know, <laughs> so you're both similar heights and bald and glasses. Yeah. So, uh, uh, despite appearances, I am not Greg, but the Diana that I'm writing is, you know, in my heart, it's the same Diana. Uh, so I was talking to the editorial team and they said, well, look, why don't you uh, pitch dream project down? I said, well, how about Diana, you know, in a, in a Celtic sort of environment? I, I've wanted to do something like that as long as I can remember, ever since I was a kid and I discovered Jim Fitzpatrick's books, like The Silver Arm and, uh, and a whole load of other stuff. There, there, there was a mention in uh, Alan Lee and, uh, and Brian Froud's Fairies book about the Tuatha de Danon and the Fomorians and all of these, you know, these great legendary old gods and fighting men of Ireland that had gone under the the mounds to sort of once the the new younger gods had come into the, the land, you know, and kind of usurped them. And that sort of piqued my interest. And then I sort of picked up, 
over the, you know, as I, as, as the time passed, I got really even more into it and picked up like Lady Gregory's uh, books on the torn and Cucullin and all of that stuff. So I've always had a, an interest in it, but back in the 2000 AD days, it, it was, uh, since we're going that far back, it was <laughs> obviously they were slain and, uh, and it wasn't, there's no way I could even compete with, with Glenn Favory and Simon Bisley and the work they were doing on Slane. Yeah. It's just unbelievable, you know? Um, uh, and that, that was, that was kind of it. So it, it was very much on a back burner for a long, long time. Um, and I, I Canunas, Canunas was the character that I was really sort of fascinated by. He's sort of not, I mean, he's, there's a fertility God, but he's not a particularly well-known deity. Yeah. Um, and he, you know this horned god, uh, and, and I always just kind of associated him with Pan and uh, uh, and Bacchus and that kind of those fawns and those horned nature gods, you know. Mm-hmm. So he, he he was always someone really fascinating to me. Um, so yeah, basically I I pitched this. I said, well, what about if we take Diana into a Celtic world, into Tyrn and Og, into this this environment she would probably fit with that right and they're like yeah but what about bringing another character and i said well what if one of the gods has been murdered she'd need a detective she'd need somebody to help her sort that out because her role is like very much a peacemaking role and an ambassador and you know she's not a she's not a detective so she was going to need help with that while she sort of kept the peace uh, and that's that's pretty much what i pitched i did a very loose overview one page and uh and and uh to my great joy uh, and, and surprise they they went for it they haven't got anything like it so it, the timing was right after all these years how did it feel to know that this was going to be your very own miniseries uh with which dc has been killing it recently with their own miniseries instead of just being along the natural <laughs> continuity of the wonder woman title oh, i couldn't believe it um you know, you, you pitch these things, you throw them out into the ether, and then you run away and hide and pretend <laughs> it's not happened. <laughs> um, and when the uh, when the sort of news came in that they they loved it, I was I was like, somebody pinch me and wake me up because you know I'm going to be really disappointed if if it's not true. Um, and you know, it's since that point onwards, it's just been a case of fun getting the. Uh, you know the editorial teams together and getting the timing right and deciding when it was going to be and then they threw me a, a justice league before i started they said you know we know you're itching to do this but you want to do a justice league when the movie's coming out and i was like of course i want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> of course i do i'm not going to say no to that it can wait i've waited 30 years already i can wait you know another single issue um so you know, it, I'm just having the, the most astonishing time, really. I, I, I'm having a, a ball, and I'm. The, the other thing that's lovely about it is, I, I think that I, the all the influences that have uh, have been in my work for many, many years have sort of solidified and crystallised in this uh, at, at exactly the right time for me to tell this story. It's. Uh, I'm glad I had to wait so long because I think it's going to be better for it. Really? Yeah, I'm. This is the best stuff I've ever done. I know it is. I I I woke up um, yesterday and looked at the page I did and was like, "That's not me. Somebody, somebody (laughs) snuck in here. Somebody better than me drew this while I was asleep." 
um, it, it's really quite satisfying. I, it's getting better as it goes on too. So I think, you know, issue three is the best one so far. Um, for, to me anyway, you know, and you can only do it for yourself, but it's, it's got, it's got a kind of scale and scope that uh, is thrilling to me. It's exciting. I feel like I'm, I'm exploring this realm with the characters, you know, uh, and it's a, it's, it's a delight. Well, before I go into actually talking about the characters themselves, I just wanted to reference something that you'd written in 2016. It's funny that you just talked about how grateful you are and how far you've come. Because when you wrote this, mm-hmm. uh, it was basically detailing all the struggles you went to and how you bet on yourself. When you look back at right. that initial remortgaging your house with your wife and starting up your own publishing company, when you look back from there to here, what are your thoughts? And that you can feel free to, you know, show a bit of pride because, my God, the things you've done. <laughs> well, um, it, it's it's one of those odd things when you're in the middle of struggles. Of course, you'd rather not be there. Um, <laughs> nobody wants to have the the, the tougher times, and, and we all go through them, and we don't know when they're going to come. And and usually, there's a ton of outside reasons. Uh, none of which you have any real control over. So you sort of have to hold it together and you sort of have to be creative, especially if you've chosen the life of a, a creative. Um, so now when I look back, uh, yeah, it was a struggle, but the things that came out of it and the experiences that I've had, I, I can't even be, you know, once upon a time I might have thought I would would regret it or be filled with, you know, feeling like I'd missed opportunities and stuff, but it, 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 um, I don't think I'd have written two novels if, if those things hadn't happened, if I'd have been more, if, if my trajectory as a comic artist had continued the way it seemed to be going, um, and I'd have continued on, you know, ever bigger books and uh, higher profile books and had more success with creator own stuff. I doubt I would have, ever written those novels i don't think i would have uh even though i've always written i've always been a, a writer I, I continue to write um i can't help it <laughs> so but 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 it's you know to finish a novel is not not an easy task mm-hmm. to set up a publishing company it, it, again that was that was out of necessity there was there was um, particularly in the late 90s and 2000s it was hard to find somewhere to give you an opportunity with creator own stuff um, and I was meeting lots of people online and also at various conventions in England who were terrific, but the timing was bad for them too. And they weren't getting the breaks that they deserved or their style was not, um, a style that would be perceived as mainstream or commercial, but that I still sort of fell in love with. Uh, so we, we kind of, uh, when we put uh, event horizon together, that was born out of a, it was actually born from my, um, uh, I used to have an old message board back then called Sharpenings. Um, and, and this, it was this yeah, original and, yep. Uh, but it was, it was lovely. It wasn't, it wasn't huge, but it, it drew a little crowd of, of, of people who were likewise sort of passionate about what they did. Uh, and we all became friends online in this small message board and forum. And then eventually met up at, at uh, 
the convention in Bristol. And it was amazing to me how, how well we all knew each other because it was very honest and open and you know heartfelt kind of an environment uh, and lots of shared stories and shared, you know, creative issues and struggles and all of that kind of thing. So uh, everyone on there had been very sort of open and forward thinking and keen. It, it felt like a, a family. It felt like a, a well, it did. Family's the best way to put it. And we're, we're still all friends. It's amazing. Whenever I come back, we, we meet up. I, I, I see most of them on a fairly, I say regular. Every When I get back to England, it's, I, I see a good chunk of them. Um, That's amazing. Because I'll always have a drink, you know. (laughs) We'll always have a party uh, and get a few of them over. So, uh, yeah, so the Mam Tour crowd became just a a delightful sort of extended family of creators. And some of them have gone on to do uh, amazing work. Dave Kendall, in particular, in 2000 AD with his uh, Judge Death World stuff. Just, you know, mind blowing. but and and also John Bamber, who is a good friend of mine, he he was an art, but he was a fan of comics, um, but he had come up with pretty much the same idea at the same time. So he helped bankroll the the, the project. Uh, he was one of him along with my wife and myself. We were the sort of three main founders of of a mentor, um, and brought it to life. Uh, and it was great. It was a, it was an amazing. It made us no money at all. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Um, but it was, it got critical acclaim, you know, and, and I think as well, just personally, I think people started looking at me in a slightly different way and thinking, well, he's not just an artist, you know, so I'd get, I'd get, uh, advertising companies reaching out. And so I ended up doing some, I did like three Coca-Cola, um, basically advertising project. We did a, a rubber duckzilla campaign, which was on huge hoardings all over Europe and England. So giant rubber duck. Um, that was for Oasis. And then there was, you know, there was, there was one with a, a uh, it was a hip hop dog and a, a wrestler Soul. on a train on a tube. Yeah. Which was, do you speak Coke? I think it was, you know, I mean, it led to all sorts of things. And we did a, for timeout, we did a bunch of comics as well with, a. Uh, Mother London, that's a big advertising company, and basically we produced a quarterly comic in Time Out magazine in London. Um, and that, you know, things like that are interesting because they reach a huge audience. And um, and again, they helped me get these other people, well, helped get the Mantor crowd exposure. You know, yeah. So you can't you can't sort of feel bad when you look back at that stuff. Right. You just it worked. It worked in a way. And so it took. It took Oh, how long? I think it was so. Mamtor was 2004, and it really was launched to help get a little shine, a bit of light on on my work and a bunch of other creators' work, with the intention of ultimately getting me back into the mainstream, which is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And it only took 12 years, <laughs> but it got me there. And you're in a wonderful Via place now. In, yeah. What? Yeah. No, I can't complain. <laughs> well, that that's... it's funny too, you know. When when it changes, when that moment happens, and you st- and you you're on a dream book, and you can't quite believe it, <laughs> it's amazing how the years just slip away. Really, <laughs> you, know, you, you forget it all. You forget all the all the all the struggle. You just get on with the job in hand. I'll tell you what it does do though. It, it gives you a very healthy sense of um, how lucky you are. 
I, I don't think once I'm sorry, I'm going rabbiting on and on here, but when I, when <laughs> I was okay. younger, I, uh, I don't think I fully appreciated how lucky I was at that time to have got the jobs that I got. It seemed like, you know, I came out of school and very quickly I was working 2000 AD and very quickly I was doing stuff for Marvel UK and very quickly I had that huge breakout with Death's Head 2, mm-hmm. which opened me up to America. And that all happened in a matter of just a few, three or four years, you know. Um, and and it, it, even though it wasn't, you know, at that age, the years go a lot slower and there was a lot of work involved and there was ups and downs even in that time. It was still like, it's still for a, for a kid because I went straight to work at 18. I didn't go to college. Um, I was doing big stuff by the time I was 22. And, and because it happened so quickly, I don't think I had a full appreciation of how lucky I was and how astonishingly rare those opportunities are. Uh, so when they come back round and you're a lot older, you grab them by the horns and you, you absolutely, you know, you work damn hard to make sure that it counts. And, and I guess it's making, it's making me reach harder than I've ever reached to make these books, not just good, but matter. If absolutely. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And Liam, we, we've got a little bit of time left and I wanted to ask you one more question and it kind of reflects back to DC's uh, just tremendous line of miniseries. Having done this, mm-hmm. or still working on this, uh, I'm just going to use quotation marks here and say vanity project, it, do you want to mm-hmm. keep going with these miniseries, or do you hope to go back to an ongoing at some point? Well, I've got something going that I'm not allowed to say anything about, <laughs> um, but I'm very excited about it. I That aside, um, I really want to come back and do something more with these characters. I have always had in my head uh, that this was part one of a trilogy. I, I, I would really like to take tail this as a big sort of 18-issue arc eventually. You know, It's certainly open-ended, uh, and there's space for that. So um, we'll see how it does. You know, Let's hope it, it does well and, and that they let me come back and play in this amazing <laughs> sandbox again. Well, from all the previews and snippets that's been released, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Well, thank you, Liam. Thank you so much for, for chatting with us. I Honestly, we could have talked to you for like an hour just about the, the work you've done with 2000 AD and your Marvel oh, stuff and you. all this DC stuff, too. Thank you so much. Well, I'll be happy to talk to you again whenever, whenever it suits. Hey guys, it's Drew. Tom and Chi Granville is back with some impressive meal deals. Here's what you can look forward to if you stop by and get cheesy. If you're always searching for the kids' menu, look no further than Tom and Chi, where kids under 12 eat free from 4 to 8 p.m. every Tuesday. Or enjoy half-off grilled cheese donuts every Wednesday from 4 to 8 p.m. And if you download the free Tom and Chi app, pop in every Thursday and get $3 classic grilled cheese sandwiches. Tom and Chi is also proud to support Chia. I think that's how I say it. A locally made vegan cheese that tastes so good, cows are starting to get jealous. Find Tom and Chi on 44th Street in Granville, near Cabela's.